want to welcome you this morning to our service. It's such a joy to always have you part of our television ministry, and uh, God's doing some great things in our life at Family of Grace. It's our continued desire to try to break through the barriers and uh, help everybody become everything that God's intended for them to be. So no matter what race or what background you're from or what culture group, at Family of Grace, you're welcome to be part of what God is doing here in Alexandria, Louisiana, and around the world. Uh, this morning, we want to invite you to help, uh, help us as we begin going through our sermon, summer sermon series. If you have your Bible, take it and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 19. I believe God will have a great message for you. Take the journey to Ephesus with us this summer as we go through the book of Ephesians and uh, discovering the seven pillars of our faith. I hope this blesses your heart. So if you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn to the book of Ephesians uh, and then turn to the book of Acts. We're going to preach through the book of Ephesians from the chapter of Acts this morning. So if you have your Bible, turn with us there to the book of Acts in chapter 19. Uh, Man, I was really excited and had everything kind of laid out and uh, about the direction. And the Lord was like, now, if you're going to preach through the book of Ephesians, you need to go back and talk about how it all started. And where it began. For you see, the church of Ephesus was very similar, and matter of fact, just like us. Uh, it was a, a place, it was a, uh, a great location uh, in that area. It was very, uh, the Roman road, which would be known as the major interstate, was what we would call it today, led right into that area. And uh, man, it was probably about half a million people lived in the city of Ephesus in the day that Paul um, was uh, planning a church there. Also, um, other things really began to connect, and uh, great things began to happen. And and uh, out of the, he spent three years there, longer than he spent in any other city. And uh, man, as they were on that journey, uh, he would go out, plant another church, plant another, plant a church, come back. That was kind of the hub of his operation. And uh, he planted many churches in that time that he spent in the city of Ephesus and operating out of there. So if you have your Bible today, if you found your place in the book of Acts in chapter 19, if you'll turn there with us this morning. We're going to read the word of God and uh, ask him to speak to our hearts. Acts chapter 19, and uh, I would really like for you to go back and read verse chapter 18. Really get a grasp of what was happening, or you can log on to our website or find us on our Facebook page. We're doing what we're calling Going Deeper Video Series, and uh, it's broke down about 10-minute video clips, uh, the one for this week, uh, Pastor Ralph and I did. And so, man, we want to encourage you to, to plug into those, share them, get them out with your, so your friends can see them, and uh, man, hopefully God will encourage some hearts as we go through this. So in the book of Acts, in chapter 19 and verse 11... It says, and uh, God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands, so that even his faith, face cloths or his work aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, and the disease, this disease left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Now, if you've ever been watching a preacher on TV and he's trying to send you a handkerchief, if you'll send him some money, this is his scripture right here. And uh, Paul, Paul, it, it wasn't like a handkerchief that matched his lapel. You know, you would stick it there and it'd be pretty and match his tie and stuff. It was literally like a, would be known kind of as a bandana. Uh, 
that he would wear around his brow. I guess kind of like Willie on Duck Dynasty there. And uh, he would wear that bandana and would catch his sweat during the day because, see, every morning Paul would work making tents, according to the Scripture in the book of Acts. And so he would work in the morning. He had this apron that he would wear as he would make tents. And, uh, and what would happen is that, man, he would just sweat. I mean, these things were pretty nasty. I mean, just imagine having one of your, your, your hat or something that you're wearing in, in the middle of the heat and you're sweating and all those things taking place. And, uh, man, anyway, just the power of God was so strong that when these, when, just when his garments, his sweat, his soaked garments and his sweat would pass by people, garments that he had been wearing, the power of God was so strong on him that uh, it would begin to change lives around him. There was another story in the Bible like this. It's in the Old Testament. You may remember a man died and they threw him in the, in the grave where Elijah was. And there was so much power still in his bones that when that dead man hit the bones of Elijah, he came up out of there uh, shouting and whatever else you can imagine would take place if that happened. Amen? But here's where we connect and we go a little bit further. And it says, uh, man, this is interesting here. It says, then some of the, the itinerant Jewish exorists uh, that, that, that would, would go around, they attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you, I command you by Jesus, whom Paul preached, whom Paul preached to come out. And seven sons of uh, seven sons of Scapha, uh, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this, and the evil spirits uh, answered them. Now they're out there trying to cast out demons, and all of a sudden the demons began to speak to them. And I love, I love this, I love this story right here. It says, uh, "And the evil spirits came back and said, now, now Jesus we know, and and Paul we know, but who are you? Who are you?" And the Bible says, then the men who had the evil spirits leaped on them, overpowered all of them, prevailed against them so that they ran out of the house naked. Talk about a bad day at the office. And uh, so, man, this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both the Jews and the Greeks, and then fear fell on all of them. And the name of the Lord was magnified in that place. And many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices. While many of them who had practiced magic collected their books, they burned them in front of everyone so that they calculated the price there was about $10,000 in today's terms. 50,000 pieces of silver. It had been about $10,000 then that they just burned up there because they were getting rid of all the things that didn't honor God. I want to speak to you this morning about when where religion met its match. Because you see, Ephesus was a religious city. It just wasn't righteous. And today it's kind of a reflection of where we even are in our own country. We're a very religious country. I mean, you can't go down a dead-end road in Louisiana and not run across some kind of little church, probably a Baptist one. And you can't go down, you can't go to a place in our, in our societies that, we're, that we move in and are prevalent in where there's just not churches. I mean, there's churches of every flavor. There's churches of every thought. And Ephesus was just like this. I mean, they understood Judaism. They understood all of that. But they understood something else. And it goes a little bit further and we're going to look at it. But they also understood the worship of another goddess. Her name was Diana. 
Matter of fact, the Diana was one of the greatest temples in all of Ephesus. We'll see a little bit later that, that they, whenever Paul began to impact that area of Ephesus, some of the people, Demetrius and those guys, came together and they said, man, these, these bunch of Jesus freaks are stirring up some commotion and they're affecting our business. Because you see, they would make little demigods, little trinket gods that you could hold in your hand. And then they would turn around and sell those little demigods to the people. And those people would take those little demigods and, of Diana, place it on, on their shelf, and they'd begin to worship this Diana. As you saw in our video, the going deeper, we kind of talked about exactly what that temple worship was about. And, and how, man, that Diana was a sex god. And now, man, you think it's bad in the virtual world we live in today. I mean, listen, they, they, uh, they would literally go in that temple and have sex. Very, I mean, people say, man, it's as bad now as it's ever been. Uh, no, no, it's not. It's always been bad. I think as I've been preparing for this sermon series for quite some time, there's one scripture that is stuck in my mind. It's where Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, there is nothing new under the sun. Oh, now, you may have found better ways to do it. You may have found better ways to do bad or do wrong, but wrong and bad has always been there. And there is nothing new under the sun. Well, where religion met its match. You see, a lot of people have a form of godliness, but their godliness does not have no power. If your godliness does not infect your life, it does not influence your life, it is not changing your life, it is not transforming your life, you need a new God. If your God is not an ever-present help in your time of need, if your God is not communicating back and forth with you, if your God is not prevailing in your life, then you need a new God. The city of Ephesus was not short of gods. They were short of the triune God. They were short of the resurrected God. They were short of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who came to make intercession for them. They were short of a resurrected Lord. They had a form of religion. They had a form of godliness. They had a form of ritualism. But they didn't have power. I'm not telling you today that if you give your heart to Jesus Christ and you sell out to Him and you trade in your religion for a relationship with the Holy God that you will never have a hard time. I'm not telling you you will never walk through adversity. Matter of fact, I will tell you the exact opposite. That if you hit yourself to Jesus Christ, sign over the title deed of your life, all hell will assail you. But I need to tell you today that all hell is coming at you because you're running in the opposite direction of it and all hell is trying to take you down because it does doesn't want you to have life. It wants you to have a form of religion, a form of godliness, but no power. I'll tell you today, there's churches all around our city that meet week after week after week. They couldn't tell you the last time that an addict came in and got a new life. They couldn't tell you the last time that, that somebody whose life was broken, a child who was damaged, a parent who ran out, a marriage that was broken, came back and was restored by the miracle Working power of a cross. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What happens when religion meets its match? Well, there was another story of this in the Old Testament. You may remember when Moses went to get the children of Israel. He said, whoa, my goodness, what in the world am I going to tell that bunch when I get there? He said, you just tell them that I am sent you. That I am the beginning. I am, I am, I am sent you. And it will be enough. And you remember that story that when Moses came, God told him, he said, throw down your staff and it became a, a serpent. 
And you remember Pharaoh's magicians tried to do the same thing and they mimicked it. But their snake was littler. And all of a sudden the, the serpent of God came over and prevailed against the Pharaoh's serpent. And every time they would try to mimic it and mimic it and mimic it. And they would. They would, they would mimic what God was doing. I want you to know today, my friends, that's exactly what the devil wants to do. He is a counterfeit. He is not an original. He doesn't have an original thought. He doesn't have an original plan. And all he ever wants to do is mimic what God's doing but why in the world would you go for a mimic why would you why would you follow a counterfeit why would you follow something that's not real when you can have the pure thing amen I mean come on folks Somebody says, I can give you this diamond ring here. It looks like a diamond. It shines like a diamond. It smells like a diamond. I'll even charge you what a diamond costs, but it's really not a diamond. I mean, would you want that? Would you want that? I mean, would you want things that were filled with impurities or would you want the real thing? But there came a point with Pharaoh when all of a sudden the, the, the plagues and things were so great. I love what it says. It says that his magicians came to him and said, now hold on, Pharaoh. Surely this is the finger of God upon us. There came a point where religion met its match. There came a point where sorcery met its match. There came a point where witchcraft met its match. And all of a sudden, those who were facilitating it came back and said, Oh my goodness, hold on. Oh my, we can't, we can't keep up with this. Surely it's the hand of God. And that's what was happening here in the book of Ephesus. I mean, in the city of Ephesus. In the book of Ephesians, Paul went there, partnered with a guy named Apollos. I, I really want to encourage you to get the background on this this week. And man, these things begin to happen and, and things begin to move and shake up. And all of a sudden, the people in Ephesus got stirred up. And all of a sudden, religion saw that, that Paul and these ordinary men had something that they didn't. So they put on their masquerade. Now, now understand something about these Jewish guys. They were they, they, itinerant. They were, they were temporary people. They're, this is what their job was. They would go from city to city trying to cast out evil spirits. That's what they did. And so all of a sudden they run into these guys named Paul and these other Apollos and these other disciples. And they see what they're doing. So they said, here we go. We're going we're gonna to cast out these evil spirits. Probably the first time in their life, all of a sudden, those evil spirits came and they said, well, we know this, Paul. We know Jesus, but who are you? Who are you? There's today so many people, they run around and they give the devil so much credit. I tell you, I know Christians that are in church every week that give the devil far more credit than, than he could ever pull something off. The devil is not omnipotent. Now, he has all of his, his angels. He is not everywhere at all times. He is limited to space. He is limited in his realm. I want you to understand something that most believers aren't doing enough to even get the devil's attention. I'm going to say that again because most people won't agree with it. I want to make sure you have it clear when you, when you disagree. Most people aren't doing enough to even get the devil's attention. They're drawn away by their own desires and their own lust and their own temptation. Boy, I'm going to tell you, though, in this passage of Scripture, several things was happening. When you look at verses 11 through 12, we see that religion couldn't explain the power. Religion didn't have the answer. So all religion knew to do was they saw that there was a moving train. So they tried to hook on to what God was doing. 
They tried to catch up with what God was doing. What God is looking for in Alexandria, Louisiana is for people like myself and people like you to just get to the place where the power of God is so upon us that God will begin to move in such a way that the power of God will begin to move in such a way that things will begin to take place in such a way that we can't explain it. Religion didn't have the answer. You won't have the answer. You may be on the front lines of the battlefield doing the doing the business for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when the power and the presence of a holy God begins to move, all you can do is scratch your head and say, Oh my goodness, I don't have the answer. But God, but God, God's looking for somebody. God is looking for someone to just say, God, I don't have to explain it. The mysteries of the Word of God. The mysteries of the Word of God. Is so deep that you'll never understand it. You just have to trust it. You just have to trust it. You just have to abide in it and not do something stupid. I mean, people think they understand the law of gravity, but you don't get up every day and jump off of your house trying to defy it. You just trust it. Okay, okay, I'm not going to try to trust, I'm not going to try to defy it, I'm just going to abide in the concept of the whole gravity, the whole law of gravity. What would happen if we would quit trying to explain Jesus and just trust him, just trust him? You know what I love about chapter 18 of the book of Acts? We talked about this in the Going Deeper videos these are just ordinary people. They didn't understand it all. They didn't understand a lot. They just trusted God and they took the gospel that they knew and they lived it out. I mean, if all you ever understand about the gospel is that God loved this cosmos so much that he gave the whole, that he gave his son for the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have Everlasting. If that's the only scripture you understand, what a scripture. I mean, in that scripture, there was the cause for God loved. There was the provision. What did he give? His son. I mean, there's, I mean, that one scripture is the whole gospel. If you don't understand any of the gospel, there's a song out right now. It talks about what we believe. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in God the Father. If you, if you don't know one thing, just download that song on your smartphone, go to lunch, have coffee with somebody, and say, let me, let me let you hear a song that's pretty cool. It's what I believe. You don't, one of the greatest soul winners I ever knew, ever heard of, couldn't read. He couldn't read at all. And so he'd carry a little New Testament in his pocket, and he would play on his handicap. And he would tell people, he'd say, boy, you know I can't read. Could you read this scripture right here and tell me what it means? And they would sit down there and they would read something like, for God so loved the world that he gave. Or they would read something like Ephesians 2 and 8. He had those dudes marked in his Bible. I can't read. Could you tell me what this says? And he would say, you know, I'm not very smart. Could you tell me what that means? And he, he led more people to Christ. 
He didn't know any of the books of the Bible. He didn't know all that stuff. He just knew Jesus. He just knew that he had upsized, he had traded in a broken down belief of religion for a relationship with a holy God. And I want you to realize today, my friends, that's what God wants to do in every one of our lives. The more we learn, the more we get in the way. The more we learn, the more we get in the way. Religion couldn't explain it. Religion couldn't fake the power. 13 through 16 says they tried to hook their power up to God's power. And those evil spirits said, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. I never forget the first time I had an encounter with some demonic spirits. It was in the middle of a church service. I'd only been preaching about two years. I had grew up in my little safe sanctuary, my little circle that Christians moved in. It was safe. Everything about it was safe. They didn't let people in who wouldn't like them. So therefore, they knew what everybody was going to look like, what they were going to wear, how they were going to dress. What they, they controlled what translation of the Bible. They, you know, you're picking up what I'm putting down. I remember all of a sudden I was preaching that Sunday morning on the reasons why people thought they were going to heaven. And there was a woman sitting on the second row in a little bitty church built up off the ground, and man, I was preaching, and uh, man, about halfway through my sermon, it was a Easter Sunday morning, packed house, this woman, this woman stood up, and son, she started, re- she started rebuking Jesus Christ, and what I was preaching, man, I hadn't been very far in school at that point. And even if I had a Ph.D., they wouldn't have taught you what to do in that circumstance. And all of a sudden, all I knew to do was to quote the Scriptures and plead the blood of Jesus. At the same time that that woman stood up and began to rebuke me, all of a sudden she had five kids with her who were teenagers from about 10 to 18. They all jumped out, jumped up and ran out the church down both out, down the middle aisle and the side aisle. That dude was off the ground. It sounded like a herd of elephants was coming out of there. And man, I I don't know what look was on my face, but I know what look was on everybody else's face. And man, when I began to quote the scripture and plead the blood of Jesus over that place, that lady hit that bench, fell back on that bench like a ton of bricks, and just laid there like she was dead. Looked at me with this glazed over look. And so man, I finished preaching. And when when I went to give the invitation, before I ever gave the invitation, I've never seen so many cold Baptists move to the altar. I didn't have to coerce them. I didn't have to manipulate them. Son, they were scared. They, they was more scared than I was, I guess. Son, they filled that altar up. And at the same time they were coming down, she was heading out. When those evil spirits began to come about, and they began to move where, where, where there's life, where there's things happening, I want you to know that evil will protest it. They will try to overrule it. They will try to overthrow it. They will cause chaos. They will cause division. They will try to stop the move of God. Why? Satan's okay with you going to heaven. He just don't want you taking anybody with you. 
He doesn't care losing one or two here or there. But when people who are lost and have been lost their whole life is giving their hearts to Jesus Christ, when addicts are being set free, when homes are being restored, when daddies are rising up and saying, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I may be 50 years of age, but I will serve the Lord. When lives are being changed, religion will try to fake it. But there's no power in the fake. Oh, you may get attention, but there's no transformation. In this passage of scripture, not only do we see that religion couldn't fake it, religion couldn't bring the power. They had no power of their own to bring. They only had to rely on the power of what somebody else was doing. And then last of all, religion could not bring the transformation. Religion could not transform lives. I don't care how religious you are. Religion plus you does not equal transformation. That's why Jesus Christ came. If the law could have saved, don't you think God would have spared his only begotten son? If what your preacher says when he baptizes you could save you, Don't you think God would have gladly allowed a baptistry to die for you? If what your preacher says out of his mouth equals transformation, why would you want to follow somebody that would elevate themselves to having that much power over something they've never had any part of? And I'm not talking about part of Christ. I'm talking about the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, I know I'm getting close to home here, but listen, in our pride and in our preeminence, religion wants to make themselves rise up. That's why Paul wrote into the church of Ephesus in chapter 2 and verse 8, For by the grace of God are you saved, not of yourself, so that you couldn't run around bragging about it. That's the B version, the Brad Eric version. That you couldn't run around bragging about it. Let me share this verse in closing. Demetrius. In Acts chapter 19. Demetrius in Acts chapter 19 gathered a group of people together. In verse 24 and says, There was a person named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, who provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. When he had assembled them all together, the workers, they engaged in this type of business. He said, Men... Moreover, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. Look at verse 26. You both see and hear and know, not only in Ephesus, but in almost the whole province of Asia, this man Paul has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that the gods made by hands are not God. So not only do we run a risk that our business may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence come to the verge of ruin. The very one whom the whole province of Asia and the world adore. What God does the world 
adore the most. As we've gone through this sermon this morning, if God is speaking to your heart, allow us to help you get to the next level and become all that God's intended for you to be. Right where you are. Just admit uh, what it is that's holding you back. Confess your sins and believe God to give you the big victory in your life. If family of grace, if we can help you with that, please give us that greatest honor and greatest joy to be part of your life and your spiritual journey. As we wrap up this sermon this morning, I just want to encourage you to go to our, our church Facebook page at Family of Grace, our church website, family-grace.com. Where we have something that goes along with each message each week through Ephesians called Going Deeper. It's uh, videos. Uh, help us share this. Uh, like it on your Facebook page. Share it on your timeline. Help us get the word out. I know that it will richly bless your heart as we go through the book of Ephesians and dive deeper into the mysteries of God's Word. Good or... Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide.